0: Come on, lift your hands toward heaven before we get started this morning. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Come on, somebody worship him just a little bit longer this morning. In your own words, somebody sing a new song. Somebody say, Jesus, I love you. Come on, just a few more moments, just you and him. No hype, nothing pushing you, just you and Jesus. I feel something breaking in the room this morning. Oh, God, we cry out for more of you. We cry out for more of you, Jesus. I can't make it without you. I can't take another step without you, Jesus. You want to get lost in this moment. Don't wait on what's next. Don't pay attention to your neighbor. Just you and Jesus. I worship you. I've learned that my greatest weapon is my worship. I've learned that the greatest thing I can do when I don't know where to go is to lift my hands and worship Him. Has he been good to anybody in the room this morning? Come on, do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, will you make some noise for him? No, I'm talking about some noise that runs devils off. Will you make, give him some praise this morning? Just, come on, if you need God to show up and do something in your life, you want to just release a sound right now. Just, Just release that sound. Come on, let it out, let it out. You come all the way out here to church on a Sunday morning. You might as well get something out of this moment. You might as well release something in this moment. Mm. My goodness. I love you. Lord, we love you. We're here at 1687 West Granada Boulevard in norman beach florida and we are crying out for more of you we're asking you to bless our pastor pastor don his wife as they were on vacation as they are resting i'm asking you to move in this room today and do for us what no man can do for us what no system can do for us what no song can do for us what no preacher can do for us Revolutionize our heart today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity in your presence. Today is going to be a day that we are changed, and we thank you. We love you, in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord the best praise of the morning. Come on. Yes. Make some noise for Jesus. Yeah. Woo! Y'all stay with me for a little bit back there. How many of you feel like having church today? Come on, you're gonna have to outdo first service because first service was crazy. They are wild and on it, but you guys sound a little noisy this morning like y'all ready to have church, right? All right, well, we're going to get into God's Word, and we'll get you out of here in a decent enough time to go to the Golden Corral and get you a little something. They got a Golden Corral around here. Well, that sounds good, don't it? My goodness. I ain't been there in a minute. How many of you know that the world we live in is a noisy world? Come on, it's loud. It is noisy. Everything and everyone is making noise. Everybody wants you to fit this mold and do this thing and say what they want you to say, and you've got the job pulling you here, and the crazy kids pulling you here, and your spouse here, and then your future's calling at you, and everything is is rallying for an opportunity to have your ears. Everything wants a moment into your ears because your ears are a gateway into your heart a lot of noise in this world and what we want to do today is we want to help you to s- decipher the difference between the noise of the world and the voice of God. There is a stark difference between the noise and the voice. The noise is demonic and the voice is heavenly. The noise tries its best to give you direction and guidance, but leads you nowhere and will always fail you. The crowd will fail you. Your father will never fail you. I said the crowd will lead you astray, but your father will never lead you astray. And So in this noisy world, we have to find a way to hear the voice of God. Amen. I'm Jeremy, and uh, for those of you that don't know, my, my wife and I have been a part of the Calvary family for 12 years now, 12 years. And when we came here, we had just the day before, fell off the turnip truck, and uh, we were definitely wet behind the ears, and still are. But um, Pastor Rayleigh, and Pastor Don, and Pastor Troy, and Cambiel, they took a chance on us as, uh, as young, Kiddos to come here and serve as young adult pastors. Uh, and we did that for eight years. And then five years ago, we launched out to plant Sea Life Orlando, Calvary in Orlando. And God is, man, the same atmosphere here is happening there. Pastor Josh Carter is preaching. We did a little swaparoo. I came here and he went there for us. And uh, when I when I looked on there, they were in about their fourteenth praise break, and they've been having church for two hours. So I'm, it looks like something was going good in Orlando, but my wife and I thank you for always believing in us and standing by us and um, for supporting us. We love and honor this house and the leadership of this house. So, are you thankful for the leadership that God's given you in this church? Amen. You know, speaking of noise, the other day, uh, you know what? Go ahead and, and slap your neighbor in the back of the head and tell your neighbor, say, don't distract me. Slap them as hard as you can. As hard as you can. And you can you can be seated. You can go ahead and be seated. We'll do this a little different today. Normally we stand for the reading of God's word, but, but we're going to do it different today. Stay with me just for a moment up there. You know, the other day I had the privilege to pick up my youngest son, Judah, from... Pre-K, kindy k what do they call it, um, Kendi-K, VPK, VPK, <laughs> not kindy k oh my goodness, uh, so got to pick him up from pre-kindergarten, and walk in the room, and open the door, and let me just tell you, if you are a pre-K, Kendi-K, whatever you want to call it, teacher, Blessing and props to you. If you can handle three and four-year-olds for eight hours a day and come home and still be normal and not be a monster, then there is something special, special that is on your life. I opened the door and the noise was outrageous. That's mine. No, it's mine. I, 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 I was there first. If I could just stop My kids from doing the it's mine or I was first, I feel like I'd be a good parent. We'd solve a lot of arguments. This morning in the hotel room, they were so noisy, I told them, I went and I got them and I drugged them. Sometimes, you know, you you, you, you you have to get snatched up. (laughs) Anybody know the difference between a spanking and getting snatched up? Okay, just making sure we all know there's a difference between getting spanked and getting snatched up. Spanking is cute, snatched up is when it's about to get real. I had to snatch him up this morning early and I took them to the door of the neighbors at the hotel and I said, look, you got one more chance. You keep making all this noise, I'm gonna make you go in there and stay with them. They said, you would do that? I said, I wouldn't, but your mama would. So you better watch out. <laughs> no, but I walk in the room and the noise was incredible. I mean, everywhere. And, and I, I walked in, I didn't say Judah. I didn't say, I, I, I didn't say uh, daddy's here. I walked into the room, and this is all I did. I kid you not. I walked in, and I said, what's up? I, I literally opened the door. What's up? Nobody turned around. Nobody except one kid. And that kid's name was Judah. He turned around, and he looked at me, and he came running. Because when the father came in and spoke his name, it didn't matter how noisy it was he was on my frequency and see when you get on god's frequency it doesn't matter what media says it doesn't matter what the world says it doesn't matter about the noise when he calls your name you're that is taking me somewhere oh anybody ready to go somewhere this morning in christ No, no, no. I mean, you really ready to go somewhere this morning? You ready to hear his voice? Somebody shout yes. Yes. He knew his father's voice. and In the midst of all the noise, we have got to find a way to hear his voice. It is the only way we arrive to the place that God has called us to get at. Not cameras, not lights, not a stage. All these things are wonderful. All of these things are tools. But the only way that you are ever going to achieve everything that God has for you in the assignment that is on your life is one thing. If you can get on God's frequency, you'll make it. You may not have all the money in the world. You, you may not have it all figured out yet. You may not be the most educated in the room, but you get on God's frequency, and God will overcome every inadequacy you ever dream. I, I, anything that you've ever had, he'll overcome that. Because all destinations are arrived to on the path of listening. You are today. Where you're standing today is a secondary consequence of what you listened to yesterday. Because what you listen to has the ability to determine where you go. If you've listened to it and allowed it to have a function of authority in your life, then you will go where your ears have lent themselves to. If you are in covenant with noise, you will go where noise tells you to go. But if in the midst of the noise, you say, no, 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 daddy said this. Y'all can fight over the toys all day long, but my daddy's calling me and I got to go. Proverbs 10, 8 says that the wise of heart will receive the commandments or the voice of the Lord, but a babbling fool. Anybody know any babbling fools? Uh Uh-huh. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Some of I think one of the greatest inventions uh, is 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 block or ignore, and we just stop right there. Or unfriend—that's a good one too. Let me give you the backdrop of this text here in 1 Samuel 15 that we're going to be in. For those of you that are watching us live all over the world, I tell you, we think this is a pretty great church. Don't you think so? And, and we welcome you to join the Word of God uh, in First Samuel 15 with us. If this is your first time watching live stream, you need to come back when the bishop is here preaching because he's the greatest preacher on the planet. I'm a little biased. I don't know what you think. But I think Pastor Jim Rayleigh is the greatest preacher there is. First Samuel 15, verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, he said, here, uh, uh, let, let me give you this, the, 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 the kind of the, the, the backdrop to this text. Saul has just been rejected as king. God asked him to kill all the Amalekites, everything that they had, the king of Agag. He asked to kill every single one of them, and he keeps some of the animals, and he keeps the king alive. There's some of you that are familiar with this passage and some of you that are not. Basically, all you need to know is this. God said, Saul, go kill him. The people said, keep half of them." Saul choose to listen to the noise and not the voice. Got me? So, so, so here's the prophet comes in, and the prophet has rebuked him. And this is Saul's rebuttal slash repentance, but it's, it's not a very good repentance. He says to Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Watch why. What does it say? Read this with me. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And Samuel said to Saul I will not return with you now for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king I want to use Saul and David uh, and Goliath as a backdrop to this story how many of you are familiar with David and Goliath I'm assuming a lot of us are in the room today I don't want to talk about the battle of David and Goliath Goliath what he stands for is a symbolic gesture of resistance and every new level that you get to is going to require the resistance of facing of Goliath. But to me, the issue is not you winning against Goliath when you get in that battle. The battle is not yours. God said it's mine. And sometimes we focus so much on finding that giant and fighting that giant, and the truth is the battle is the Lord's. It's not about will you defeat the giant Will you face when you face him. The question is, will you even face the giant? Will you even face Goliath? Because the giant is not the challenge. The challenge is getting to the giant. You had Saul that stood, that listened to the noise of the crowd, and he stood up on a mountaintop and let opportunity pass him by. But David heard the voice of God, and David was facing his giant. And so I want to really look at the journeys, how they are similar, how they contrast with one another. And I want to preach you a message this morning entitled, He Said, They Said. What's more important to you? Is more important what he said or what they said? And I want to show you how Saul and David walk toward the giant because once you face the giant, that giant's already going to fall. We just got to get you to the giant. Amen? Lord, thank you for this word. We love you. You are so good to us. And, and we can do nothing without you. I don't, I, I don't know how to even describe to you um, the privilege that we have to be in a place where we can do this freely and So Lord, I thank you that we don't have to hide this morning our faith That we can come here together and be encouraged by your word Lord I, I know that you don't need man, but I need you and I humbly ask you this morning to speak through me only what you want uh, You know Lord um, Take away everything that, that I want to say on my own and say only what you want to say We give you glory and honor In Jesus' name. And somebody shout amen. 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 Somebody slap your neighbor a high five and say let's go. Let's go. So here Saul is and, and Saul spends his life listening to the noise of defeat. And David dedicates his life listening to the voice of victory. Saul ends up watching Goliath in fear And David ends up facing Goliath in faith. Now, in this journey, everything is about... Listen, Saul was anointed like David was anointed. Okay, Saul gets a bad rap, but let's be honest. Saul was anointed like David was anointed. Okay? And and here they are, and they're both going toward this journey of Goliath. And the only reason that David faced Goliath and Saul did not is because David was more concerned with what God said, and Saul was more concerned with what the crowd said. And you have two options as you are going toward the journey of Goliath. On the way, you have two options. You are either going to listen to what he says, Or what they say. You're going to be a crowd pleaser or a God chaser, one or the other. You don't get to be a crowd pleaser and a God chaser because if you chase God, sometimes you're going to upset the crowd. So you got to be either a God chaser or a crowd pleaser. But on this journey, there are three key influences that are rallying for moments in your life to derail you or to promote you. And everything that even looks bad, I don't know about you, but I know I serve a God that can make it good amen and so I want to talk about three struggles that I've even endured in my life come on even preachers have struggles yes we do your neighbor has a struggle especially the neighbor on your left they have a lot of struggles but let's talk about these influences because I believe that when these influences come the noise and voice speaks to them alike and if you can navigate these key, three keys I believe you will face Goliath in the valley you won't be watching him from the mountaintop all right so the first the first influence is this the influence of insecurity have you ever struggled with insecurity maybe you haven't but I have uh, let's start with the nation of Israel because this is where this all begins first Samuel 8 5 Israel is, has been chosen, they have been set aside. They are, not just, they are not just a nation that belonged to God. They were the race that belonged to God. That All of us came from there. And God had chosen them to be the appointed one, to, to, to the promises of God. Everything was upon their life. And they come to God and they say in their insecurity because what they've been doing is, is the nations that are surrounding them, they've been listening to that noise. And they say, God, appoint a king to lead us because your kingship and your sovereignty and your divinity is not good enough. We need a man to guide us because we've lost the, I feel like already preaching this morning, we've lost the ability to hear your voice, so give us a king that can guide us because we have forgotten how to hear your voice. And what the enemy will do is the enemy will plant, per se, nations around you that are noisy and want you to look at them and say, Oh God, the way you've made me is not enough in my insecurity. I guess I need to try to be like something else I've seen. And so what we do is we find a destination that we desire to covet and we go to that person and try to mimic that journey. And Israel began to covet places that other nations were, and they began to connect themselves with non-kingdom people, with non-kingdom systems. They had a non-kingdom mentality, therefore they're going to get non-kingdom results. And anytime you listen to the noise, you will be a counterfeit version of what you were created to be. Because the noise does not have the ability to speak angelic assignments over your life and heavenly uh, 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 um, 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 assignments over your life. The the noise doesn't have that ability, only the voice, because it comes from heaven. And so here Israel is, and Israel is all shook up. And they're like, God, just forget it. It's not good enough. Help us be like everybody else. And I think we're all guilty of that at times. Or you have said, God... It's not good enough. The way you've made me is not good enough. I'm insecure. Make me like somebody else. And Israel was bound to this noise. And they were insecure in pursuit of their identity and their promise. And they basically just said who we are isn't good enough. And we're all in pursuit of who we're called to be. Are we not? And it's the noise and the voice that are both speaking to that because every one of us, I don't care who you are in this room, I don't care how much money you have, I don't care how educated you are, I don't care what your background's like, I don't care how you was raised, none of that matters to me. Every one of you in this room will have to struggle with insecurity and fight it because you cannot pursue anything greater than yourself and not have to deal and fight with insecurity. It is the unavoidable test that you have to overcome when you are pursuing anything that is great in your life. It is a real influencer to all of us. And you have two options. You are going to either listen to what the noise says or to what God says. Because here is the mechanism. Insecurity is something that's not fun. None of us like it. Can I get an amen in the back? None of us like insecurity, and we're really not built to live with it. So there are two mechanisms of dealing with insecurity. We will either listen to the noise of pride or the voice of confidence. One is an overcompensating, falsified form of godly confidence. Pride is just perverted godly confidence. And so you will either have to listen to the noise of pride. That's why when you see people that you say, my God, they are so prideful. No, they're so insecure, honey. They're so insecure. And they've listened to the noise because they couldn't deal with the insecurity. So they listened to what everybody else said and they allowed themselves to be so connected with the noise and they believed their own hype. Because godly confidence will, will make you feel good give you it, but never let you be the author of where you are the noise will always let you be the author of where you have gone and so what happens in our insecurity is this the noise defines the voice reminds the noise comes in and says you should be here by this age you should have this in your retirement. By this time, your marriage should look like this. Your kids should be acting like that. Ladies in the grocery store, they were so well-behaved, but you got to put yours on a dog leash because everywhere you go, they act like a fool. I seen two of them yesterday. I seen two dog kids. <laughs> I mean, Your ministry should be here. Uh, uh, Okay, let let me just bring it real for you. You you, you, pastor, preacher, uh, you're searching on Instagram, and you're seeing all these other preachers, and they got their own buildings, and you say, man, I should be here by this age because I'm 34 It's too real for somebody, but I, I should be here, and that is the noise trying to define you, but the voice reminds you that you are not a slave to the system of the world but you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And every hair that's laying on your head or what little you've got left, God knows exactly how many of them are on there. He's assigned you. He sets you apart. He calls you to be if there's breath in your lungs. It's because there is still something this earth needs that God's gonna use you to bring to the earth. God has a purpose for you. The noise will define you. The voice will remind you. I don't want you to be like me. You don't need to be like your neighbor. But if you listen to the noise, you will scan a room. You will find the person that has achieved what you want to achieve. And you will try to mimic what they've done. Because that's how you define yourself. Because, see, we've unfortunately in many cases raised a generation that we are more familiar with the noise than we are with the voice of the Father. And so we have a lot of counterfeit people running around that are not really achieving the assignment that God has placed them on the earth for. Because insecurity is one of the greatest seeds to keep you from following the Lord. See, to be defined or reminded. You can either listen to the world's definition or God's recollection. You choose. But you will listen to one of them when you are insecure. One of them you will listen to. Now, here's Saul. And we'll start with him. Saul gets a bad rap, but keep in mind, Saul walks into something that God is not very happy with because the nation has told God that he is not good enough and they need a king. Not to mention Saul's the first king. It's like being the first batter in a baseball game. You're a little bit more nervous when you're the first. Well, Saul's the first ever king. And so he has a right to be insecure. We'll see how David also has the right to be insecure as both of these men simultaneously, yet contrastingly, they journey toward Goliath. They both have this right to struggle with insecurity. And Samuel comes to anoint Saul. The prophet comes to anoint Saul and say, man, you're going to be the first king of Israel. Praise God. I mean, Samuel the prophet was ready. He had the Welch's sparkling grape juice ready. They were going to cut it open like champagne and just, sh- I'm kidding. It was non-alcoholic. It was Welch's sparkling grape juice. You know, the Christian wine that you drink on the fourth. And Okay, anyways. Lord, forgive me. Help me dig out of this. But And when Samuel comes, Saul proves that he is already under the curse of the noise. And I'm going to prove to you how many of us have been like this before, including me. And this is a fight that I refuse to let the devil win. My God, I'm going to preach from my soul this morning. It comes to Saul to anoint him. And I'm telling you, I'm tired of seeing people sell short because we've been so attracted to the noise, so attracted to the crowd. And he says to, to Saul, it's time you've been appointed. Your moment is here. Your stage is here. Your microphone is here. That business you wanted to start is here. It's time you're ready. God says, let's go. And Saul looks back at him, and Saul says this. He says, um, he said, uh, 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 um, um, Samuel, uh, I think God may have missed it. And he says, I'm a Benjamite, and I've, I'm, I'm, the, I'm of the smallest tribe of Israel, and, and my family is like kind of the junkiest family of that tribe. Like, like we real Sorry. And, and, and so why would you speak to me like this? Now, when I read this, Pastor Troy, I, I felt two things. One, here Saul is saying the Benjamites are the worst, but I wonder who, like the Bible's got some crazy stuff, but, but who was assigned the job to like rank the tribes of Israel and then go into Saul's family and be like, yeah, man, y'all are the, the dumbest family here. And like literally ranked these families like a college football uh, preseason poll. And I feel like the Benjamites were like Florida State. They were the worst of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I had to just, just throw that in. Can I get any witnesses in here? All right. So, so the Benjamites, bless God, we will get booed off the stage here in Florida. He says, so God is saying you're a king. And Saul is saying, you got the wrong guy. And God is saying, you're supposed to start that business. But you're so insecure, you're saying, no, God, you've got the wrong guy. And and you're supposed to start this ministry. No, God, you've got the wrong guy. Because insecure people that are attracted to the noise do not know how to step out in faith on a godly confidence and accept something that God has for them and here's why because insecurity demonic insecurity will have you believing that you are less than what you are called to so you will always use a fake humility to deny what God's trying to give I'm just not good enough for that I'm just I'm just not. I can't believe God would choose me no that's not humility it is demonic humility And it is false because it is is keeping you from accepting what God has for, for you in confidence. So God was sending his word, but Saul was already a slave to the noise. God's voice was visiting Saul in his insecurity to bring confidence, but Saul had already made his decision that he believed the noise was greater than the voice. And I want to tell somebody in the room this morning that I don't care what the noise of the haters have said, or what the noise of your past has said, or what the noise of your inadequacy has said, or the noise of your resources, or the noise of your future, or weakness, or sickness. God's voice is greater than the world's noise. God's voice is greater than the world's noise. And so the crowd looks for Saul and God said, hide and go seek. I found him. Marco Polo, you're it. And here Saul is and when they get ready to anoint him king, he's, the Bible says that he, that he, was, that he, was, that he was kind of like, like hiding, the Bible says, behind the baggage. And do we not Do this with God sometime when he calls us and we're like, God, no, pick him. I'd rather watch him and copy what he's doing. And Saul's hiding behind the baggage and God said, there he is. I wonder how many of us have missed God ordained moments because we've been hiding behind the baggage of insecurity. I wonder how many of us have missed moments with God because we've been hiding. Now, Saul allowed insecurity to breed arrogance and then he killed himself. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that pride is destiny suicide, every time. So here's how Saul, so Saul allowed insecurity breed arrogance, but then here comes David. And David, in Psalm 69, many theologians believe that this psalm was written actually when he was a child at home with Jesse. And we've all heard that David was the youngest one and he was frolicking out in the field tending to the sheep and David and, and, and when Samuel come to anoint David as king after Saul had been rejected oh just, just poor David he was out there it's way worse than you think when Jesse says my youngest is out there where's the youngest it is actually a Hebrew word that we in our English language we used to call the runt He was the runt of the litter. And then David says in Psalm 69, you need to go read this. David says, he says, I am a stranger and a foreigner to my mother's children. I am outcast. I am ridiculed. My own father doesn't believe in me because he lets all the other brothers sit as his right hand and he kicks me out here with these sheep. And, And what they didn't realize is when they were kicking him, when they were beating him, when they were ridiculing him, they were just setting him up for the oil. They were setting him up for the fuel. I don't know if anybody's hearing me. What you've been through has just been a setup for where God is going to take you. All the pain you felt, all the times you felt outcast. All the times you felt insecure, those were just moments that were giving you the character you needed to sustain the place God was taking you. I don't know this morning. I feel God in the room this morning. And he says, "He says they, they poisoned my food and they put vinegar in my drink. He, they'd have been my brother. They'd have got whooped, brother or not. There is strong evidence to support that David was only a half-brother. So now you understand why David was not esteemed like the other brothers. And here David is dealing with the same insecurity on the journey of the giant that Saul is. Same insecurity, same insecurity, same insecurity. But watch, God finds Saul behind the baggage listening to the noise. But watch where God, in Acts 13 as it begins to reminisce, watch where God said, I found David. David. I found Saul in the baggage, but I found David, son of Jesse, a man who was after my own heart, he's going to be the one that fulfills everything I have. He said, I found an outcast. I found a boy that nobody else looked at. I found someone that nobody else paid attention to. I found a young man that didn't understand everything, but he got out in that field, and he started singing love songs to me, and he started worshiping me, and in the midst of his insecurity, he started chasing me, and I saw Saul. He let his insecurity breed arrogance, but David let his insecurity breed intimacy. It's arrogance or intimacy. So then after we deal, after we deal with this, this, this insecurity, then we have to deal with the influence of disobedience. Saul wins this battle against the Amalekites and he's instructed to kill everybody. So now we see, here, here Saul's already messed up once, David got it right. This is how they dealt with insecurity. One said, I'm going to worship the voice. The other said, I'm going to listen to the noise. Matter of fact, Samuel said to Saul, when you were once little in your own eyes, you are So, right. But you've become so arrogant to deal with this insecurity. Now is the disobedient influence. And this is where frustration comes in, because I'm going to tell you, if you're going to obey God in your life, sometimes it can be incredibly frustrating to the flesh. Don't let anybody ever tell you that obeying God is just easy. If it was easy, everybody else would be obeying him. If it was easy, your neighbor wouldn't be in such a mess. Uh-oh. But after the battle, and being obedient can be incredibly frustrating to the flesh, And after the battle, frustration has set in and the people convinced Saul to sell himself short of being completely obedient and said, keep some of the animals. They were frustrated because obeying God is frustrating to the flesh. It goes against everything that is natural to your flesh when you obey God. There is a fight to keep you from obeying God. And the test of greatness is can you survive frustration without responding in foolishness? Can you be frustrated and not a fool? Can you be Frustrated and stay consistent? Can you be frustrated and stay faithful? Can you be frustrated and remain obedient all the way and journey to the giant? Will you let your frustration define how much you obey God or where you say, God, I'm frustrated? Yeah, I've been I've been bothered. Yes, it's been a long season, yes, but I'm not gonna listen to my frustration because where you're taking me is eternal and is greater than this temporal. This temporal thing I'm feeling, it's not going to last. Sorrow is last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, Jesus. Everything demonic is temporal. It will attack you and only defines you if you let it. Satan doesn't have that kind of power over you. Saul. Saul is here, and he's not being obedient. Because the truth is, noise loves instant gratification. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. Noise will sacrifice long-term promises on the altar of short-term pleasures. You better write that down and put it somewhere. Noise will sacrifice long-term promises on the altar of short-term pleasures. Because the truth is, Samuel tells Saul what you've done is witchcraft. And God can't and won't bless halfway, dis- halfway obedience. I don't care how much we dance. I don't care how much we shout. I don't care how much we hoop. I don't care what kind of sermon you preach or what kind of song you sing. I don't care how good we do church. I don't care how nice it is and excellent it is. And, and, I'm, and you got the coolest screen. You make those popsicles look so real. I wanted one. I know. Uh, yeah. But none of that matters if obedience is not in the house. It doesn't matter. You can shout all day long, but a shouting witch ain't going nowhere. I don't know but if you will let your ears tune into the voice of God and obey him, obedience will take you where nothing else can take you. Obedience will take you where a sermon can't take you. Obedience will take you where a song can't take you. If you'll obey, you'll wade waters you never thought you could wade. You'll walk on things you never thought you could walk on. Mountains will crumble you never thought would crumble. You can walk through the fire and not smell like smoke. You can be dead one minute and live in another minute. You can have cancer one minute and be healed another minute. I'm trying to tell you there is power in just living this word. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why you ought to be glad that you're in a church that's so word heavy. You ought to be glad. You ought not serve a man or a personality, but you put your faith in the B-I-B-L-E and make that the book for you. It'll turn everything around. Yeah, we ought to drop it right there and walk off. Because if as a preacher, I can teach you to obey God. I've done my job. Yeah, yeah. I don't care how loud you are, God ain't going to bless a shouting witch. Ah, I feel him. I'm telling you, I feel him in the room. Now watch David. David gets tested just like Saul. Same thing. Boom. Insecurity. Boom. Here's frustration. And here, remember Psalm 69 when he says this to him. He says, look, he says, "Uh, uh, they poisoned my drink and my food. And then daddy comes and says, "Um, David, uh, will you bring your brother's lunch? I told you obedience is frustrating. Bringing them no lunch. The noise is telling me no, but the voice is telling me go. And I see David now as he's walking with this lunch bag. Just, just, man. Remember they poured vinegar in his drink. They was putting Tide pods in his hummus. he's walking, he said, my God, I'm gonna bring him lunch, all right? I'm gonna bring him lunch, all right? Mm-hmm. I hope he chokes on this chicken bone right here. I hope he can't even get it out his throat. I ain't giving him CPR. Yeah, I hope there's an amoeba in this Capri Sun right here. I hope it. He and he's, he's carrying this lunch and he's frustrated, but David was more familiar with the voice than he was with the noise because the noise would say, you don't feed people that poisons your food but the voice says if you will listen there's an opportunity on the other side of this lunch you think it's just a lunch box but god said i've got an opportunity on the other side of this i know where you're at seems mundane i know where you're at seems normal i want to prophesy to somebody you feel like a hamster and you're just just treading on the wheels you've been asked to apologize for stuff that's not your fault and feed those that poisoned you but if you'll bring an obedient lunch god will bring you a giant opportunity i said if you'll just be obedient where you are god will bring you a giant opportunity david said the lunch brought me but the lord led me Give me some sweet Jesus music before you make me preach to three o'clock and everybody misses the discount down at the Long John Silver. I sense I need to tell somebody in the room that that lunch you're delivering has an assignment on it. Give me your purse, baby. Give me your purse. Can I use this? You got plenty of them anyways. If I mess it up, it ain't gonna hurt your collection. I know, I know, I know I'm a man. I can't carry no purse like that. We got, we got to, we got to keep it, keep it right here. We can't, yeah, can't be doing that. Throw it up on my shoulder thing. Nah, nah. I know you think all you got's a lunchbox. And I know all you think is you just have this sack. But what if I told you if you could endure insecurity with intimacy and you could, if you could fight off frustration by just staying true to his voice, what if I told you that on the other side of this mundane thing that you're carrying was the giant opportunity you've been waiting a lifetime for? What if I told you you've never faced the giant because you refused to carry the lunch because you said the people I'm bringing that lunch to they don't look like me, act like me, talk like me and they've been mean to me so God I'm not going to obey you because I'm going to qualify my obedience based off what the noise of the world says David said I'll go and then he gets there and Saul comes to him And the Bible said that Saul is incredibly intimidated because the truth is, if you can overcome these three things by hearing God's voice, insecurity, frustration, and intimidation, I promise you, you'll do something great. Oh, I promise you, you'll do something great. I'm working through it myself, but I'm going to refuse to let insecurity and frustration and intimidation stopping me from who I was created to be. I can't let it. I can't let it because not only does it hurt me, it robs the earth. When you are not everything you're called to be, it robs the earth of you because you are heaven's seed into this moment, into this city, into this church at this time at 1246. If not at 1245, you would have died. But at 1246, you became heaven's seed in this moment and if you will just overcome this stupid insecurity if you'll overcome frustration and just obey him and don't you dare when you get there let intimidation talk you out facing your giant so david looks at saul and saul says you can't go by this time saul had spent decades letting the noise talk into his life and david said "Saul, i don't know what you've been listening to but when i was insecure i got intimate when i was frustrated I just grunted my way through it. Oh, and all that noise when the lion and the bear came to kill me, um, the Lord spoke to me because I was familiar with his voice. You see, the noise told me to be afraid of that lion and afraid of that bear and afraid of that opportunity and afraid of that thing God's called you to do. The noise said be afraid, but God told me, don't worry. That's just, that, 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 that's just noise. That lion and bear can't harm you. So I stood there, and I, and I killed them. And, Saul, I know you can't handle it because you've been so consumed with the crowd, not the Father. And because you've been so consumed with the crowd, not the father, you stay with the crowd and miss your opportunity. But as for me, I've been listening to the father and the same thing I did to that bear and that lion, God's going to do to the giant down there. All I got to do is get down there and face him. And when Saul told David not to go, it was the last test that David had to face before he would face his giant. It was insecurity, frustration, and intimidation. And the moment he refused to be intimidated. He was face to face with his giant. And within just a moment, he was cutting the head off the giant that God killed. I'm trying to tell you this morning, if you will put more faith in God's voice than the noise of the world, then before you know it in the snap of a finger, you'll be holding the head of a giant opportunity where you will look back and say, hadn't the Lord been good to me? Had he brought me through? And I promise you, when you get there, you will be glad. You didn't settle for a second-rate, weaker version of what God's called you to be. Somebody stand to your feet and give him the best praise this morning. Come on, somebody worship him. Somebody get set free of that insecurity. Somebody get set free of that frustration. Somebody get set free of that intimidation. I break those strongholds in Jesus' name. I break those strongholds in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands. Say, Lord, set me free. Come on, somebody cry out. Say, Lord, set me free. If you've been struggling with insecurity, just cry out now. Cry out now. You're good enough. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God chose you and appointed you. Oh. I love you, Jesus. Break every chain. Oh, God, break every chain. Every shackle, everything that's been holding us, God, break it down now. I don't want to leave this room the same way I came in. I need you to remove this insecurity. I need you to remove this frustration. I will not be intimidated in Jesus' name. Come here. Lift your hands across this place. Lift them all across this room. I want you to repeat this phrase after me, say, I will not be intimidated by what others say I can't do. I will not be intimidated by the noise of my resources. I will not be intimidated by comparing myself to others. I will not be intimidated by the noisy plans that others have for me. Oh, come on, somebody declare it in Jesus' name. I know they said you couldn't, but he said you can. I know they said you wouldn't, but he said you would. I know they said you have lack, but he said he is a provider. They said there was no way, but he said he would make a way. I want to tell you that God's voice is greater than the world's noise. If you believe it, give Jesus the biggest shout of praise in the room this morning.
1: stay there for a minute I'll just I'll dismiss you but um, as Pastor Jeremy told you he leads our uh, campus in Orlando and is doing a phenomenal job they're growing like crazy I mean keep your ears open it won't be too long you'll hear him everywhere amen but um, he's like a brother to me we've been friends for years we're very close but he did say something in the message that might have messed him up he talked about my alma mater talked about Florida State My wife leaned over and said, I guess he's going to buy his own lunch now. I said, yes, he is. Yes, he is. But uh, anyway, every time he preaches, I grab something new. You know, I've got years of Bible classes and Bible study, but every time he seems to pull something a little bit different. And I was thinking about my life. And he said, you know, we talk about David and Goliath. All of us, most of us, at least, have heard that story hundreds of times. We've preached about it. We've talked about it. We've shared about it. And in that, we always talk about the battle. We can whoop the giant. If we just get in the fight, we can beat him. What's the tools? What's the things that we need? All those sermons, how to beat that giant. But I thought about 21 years ago. My wife and I made a decision. We made a decision that didn't make a lot of sense at the time, to come to a place that I didn't even know where it was on the map, to a church that was in disarray. And I never had any experience in the church world. It didn't make any sense to come here to help a friend of mine. Pastor Jim Braley at this church for no money because they didn't have any money. But yet I had a business and I, had, I could move my business and I could still have resources. But it's a lot to move a business from Atlanta, Georgia to here. But in that, if my wife and I wouldn't have made that decision that day, no matter what it looked like, no matter what the circumstances were. All the wins that we've had through the years, we've had a lot of challenges, but we've won a lot of things through the years. If we didn't make that decision, if Pastor Rayleigh didn't make that decision, he was an evangelist, it was a hard decision for him. If he didn't make the decision, who would have really been standing in this room today? With Pastor Jeremy, where would he be? He wouldn't be with us because we wouldn't be here. What would have happened in Atlanta, I mean, Orlando, and here in a new Smyrna? That's what it makes. The decisions that we make, even though they may be difficult, even though the obstacles may be beyond what we can do, the decisions that we make right now, you're contemplating many of you a decision, and I'm not trying to repurchase sermon. But it really touched my heart because I know that so many of us are still contemplating decisions. If God speaks to you to do something, if you know in your heart of hearts that God speaks to you to do it, just like Pastor Jeremy said, the battle is already won because God fights our battles, not us. Amen. Thank you for allowing us to go over time. And me cry again as I normally do and say that, but that touched my heart. Don't forget, we are not having First Wednesday, we are having First Tuesday. Tell your neighbor, First Tuesday. Why didn't we do it on Wednesday? We would have loved to have done it on Wednesday, but all the fireworks people were scheduled up a year in advance. So we said, okay, we'll get a day ahead of them and we'll make it on Tuesday and we'll beat them to the punch. And the fireworks guy said, old oh, country boy, matter of fact, he said, I could do it on Tuesday. I said, well, come on now. So we're going to have a blowout on Tuesday. It's going to be a massive fireworks show. We had to go through all kinds of things with the city. It's going to be food trucks outside, as you've already been told. It's going to be awesome. Listen, it's going to be awesome for you, but it's going to be better for your neighbor and your family that don't go to church. Because we'll get them here. Pastor Ellie is actually going to come back into town that night. He's flying back in on Tuesday. He will be here Tuesday night, and he is going to share something that's going to touch somebody's heart. I hope it's your neighbor. I hope it's the person you work with. And the way you can do that is when you leave, there's going to be cards. There's going to be cards all out. They're going to be handing them out. Grab a handful of them. Invite the person at work. Invite your neighbor. Invite somebody to come out and be a part. The fireworks show is going to be awesome. The food's going to be awesome. But in the name of Jesus is going to be better. Amen. All right, so Father, we love you, God. We thank you for the opportunity, God, to be in your house. God, we thank you for Pastor Jeremy and his ministry and him being with us today to share a word that could literally change our life. So God, I pray we listen to the word. And not only do we listen to the word, we do the word and we make the decisions that you and only you, not any noise, but you and only you put in our heart. And as we make those decisions, our life will be changed forever, just as mine has been. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, if you're our guest, go right out this middle door to the left. A lot of our pastors will be there to meet you, shake your hand, and answer any question that you have.